Good morning once again, everybody. Have almost Happy New Year to you. Uh, we are so glad that you're here. And uh, we are celebrating here uh, this morning that God has been with us in 2017, as we just sung. And God will be with us in uh, 2018. We're excited about that. Things are looking a little bit different up here because we're doing something a little bit different with this Sunday. Typically, in, on the Sunday between Christmas and the new series that uh, was starting up, as uh, Jan was talking about, we're going to start this uh, Heads Up technology series next Sunday. And in between those two, what I uh, typically do is my uh, top 10 list of mistakes for the year. Uh, this is a very exciting message for the staff. They like to give me suggestions on uh, what I am supposed to talk about. Normally, I uh, walk through my uh, 10 mistakes. And one of the reasons we do that is that most of us learn more from our mistakes than we do our victories. Victories are great, and we celebrate them, and we put plaques on the wall that says, we did this, we did this, and we can celebrate that in 2017. But most of us grow more by reflecting on the mistakes, ways that we have perhaps fallen short or tripped up, and those are the, those are the things that lead us to growth more often than our victories. And so we just, there's some value in just reflecting on, on mistakes for the year. Uh, secondly, for that, one of the reasons I like to talk about my mistakes is that some people think that pastors have it all together. Now, those of you who know me, you're like laughing. You're having, you have to stop laughing at that point. But, but, uh, but we just want to be very clear as a community, as a church, that the goal of this Christian journey is not, is not our perfection or coming across as perfect or, or um, not being able to admit uh, mistakes at all, that, that this whole journey is about how we handle our imperfection, that, that all of us have brokenness that uh, has been a part of this upcoming year, and we will stumble in 2018. It's just, how do we respond to that? Now, uh, we're doing this a little bit differently this year uh, with me not sharing my top 10 list because... Uh, this year was different. The day after Christmas, I flew up to Canada and drove my parents down, uh, and we weren't sure how long that was going to take. We were just ahead of the big storm uh, up in that region and kind of driving through it, and it was right behind us and, and just driving through that. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it here uh, this morning, but I did. Made it here last night. Uh, and so our kind of plan was, instead of me sharing my top 10 list, that this fine group here would share some of their mistakes. And so it's, we're going to do two mistakes each, and I love I love this plan. I love it. I mean, it's not that I'm short of, of mistakes for the year, but I love kind of sharing the burden a little bit here. Uh, and so that's what we're going to do today. Each of us are going to share a couple of our mistakes and how uh, God has taught something through that. Uh, just one more thing, for those of you who are new or just visiting with us, we have a very high value for Scripture. In fact, uh, buried in concrete in this platform is an open Bible that is just a reminder that when we stand on this platform, uh, our authority is Scripture, and it's not about what I think or about what, uh, what she thinks or about what some author thinks, that we, we want to stand here and together we want to say, God, what do you think? What do you think about our, uh, our, uh, the journey that we're on and the difficulties we're struggling with, whatever? So that, that's where our authority comes from. Typically, our messages are grounded in Scripture. This here, when we talk about our mistakes, it's a little bit different, and it's more about our experiences with God. I think that's okay okay, because God speaks to us through Scripture. He also speaks to us through our experiences and through the experiences of, of uh, others who, are, uh, who have a relationship with God. So that's what we're doing here today. Would you uh, bow your heads with me? I'd love to pray with you as we head into this. 
Father in heaven, I thank you for the grace that is here in this room that is always represented when we gather in your name, that we, us stirring up mistakes is not, about, is not about guilt, it's not about the weight that comes from it. God, it comes from you lifting that weight up, you taking our burdens and saying, you know what, when we're honest and open with you, um, God, that you are so gracious and that you will provide forgiveness for us and lead us to a better place. So I pray that you would do that here uh, in us and among us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, we're going to start with mistakes 10 and 9. We're going to count down the top 10 list, and we're going to start with uh, mistakes 10 and 9 with uh, Alicia uh, Maroney, who is on staff with us in student ministry, and uh, she's been on staff with us uh, this year, about seven months, and uh, she is not only creative and passionate, but she loves your kids. She loves my kids, and yeah, yeah. So we're excited to hear from you. And let me just tell you, she's made lots of mistakes. So we're going to share with that. So here we go. Here we go. All right, guys. So uh, I'm starting off with number 10. So I pulled an all-nighter the night before I was to fly out here to meet you all for my big interview. If you've ever been in a weekend-long interview, you know that is probably not your best way to start it off on the right foot. So kind of backtracking a little bit of my story, Alan mentioned that I had been on staff for about seven months now. Um, I was in Texas working at a church there and then felt the Lord's call of like, hey, you need to come check out this church, Mountain Park, out in Ahwatukee, which took me 20 minutes to figure out how to pronounce Ahwatukee the first time I heard of it. So I get there and it's the night before. I'm all packed. I'm ready to go, have my alarm set. And you know, you just lie in bed and you're just like staring at the ceiling going, what the heck did I get myself into? What do you mean I'm flying across the country to maybe potentially like start a whole brand new life with new people and a new apartment and a new job? Like, what, what are you doing, Lord? Like, I, I feel the call, but all of a sudden this well of anxiety just hit that night before. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I am petrified. Like meeting new people, having to go to the DMV again, I just moved, like, oh my gosh, please don't, please, Lord, if you love me. So I'm getting ready and just praying and worrying and kind of, you know, that worry in circles of, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? And the Lord just really distinctly reminded me of this story that's in the gospels. It's between Jesus, this father and um his son who's possessed by demons. And the dad goes to Jesus and says, hey, if you're willing, heal my son. And Jesus responds with, God is always able. And the father responds in such faith that it blows my mind. And he says, all right, Lord, help my unbelief. And I just felt the Holy Spirit going, that's your prayer right now. Like, you have faith that I'm gonna do it, but you need some help with your unbelief right now, sister. And I was like, all right, God, help my unbelief, help my unbelief, help my unbelief. Hours of just going, help my unbelief because I cannot do this. And praying, praying, feel, you know, you start to feel that peace. And then all of a sudden I hear the Lion uh, King soundtrack go off. That is my alarm clock. And I go, oh my gosh, it's 6.30 in the morning. I've stayed up all night long. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. If you guys ever know me, I value my beauty sleep quite, quite a lot. So my encouragement, learn from my mistake. And I'd encourage you guys, like when the Lord is calling you to do something and you're scared, just pray that prayer, Lord, help me in my unbelief. 
help me in my unbelief because he will provide. It has been an incredible past seven months just seeing him show up in such real ways and all the things I was worrying about, he's got it covered. So learn from me. Pray that prayer. Don't stay up all night. (laughs) So number nine, I almost got put in Walmart jail this year. It was a really fun adventure. So I go to return some stuff for work and I go to the line, get it all ready to go. And she's halfway through the uh, return process and I go, oh shoot, I don't have the work credit card with me. I'm gonna have to come back. So she hands me the receipt back and then she hands me another slip of paper that's like a little voucher that says like, hey, we were halfway through the return. Like, here's the situation. I grab the receipt, but I don't grab the voucher. Mistake number one. So I go back the next day and I go, hey, here's the situation, blah, 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 blah. I hand them the receipt. I hand them the credit card. The credit card is in the student ministry's name. And uh, David Hughes, our lovely student director, had signed the back. So I can't prove that it is actually my credit card because David Hughes signed the back. And they're looking at me like, you don't look like David Hughes, girl. You don't look like him at all. And they're like, can you prove that you work at Mountain Park? And I'm like, I don't have any business cards with me or anything. Oh, shoot. So I can't prove that I work at the place that I have the credit card for. I am obviously not David Hughes, and this is not my credit card. And then two security guards come popping up and stand on either side of me, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to go to Walmart jail. Like, I'm going to have to call my mom and be like, Mom, I'm in Walmart jail. So super thankfully, I got my name cleared. The staff helped me out, but I learned a very valuable lesson. You grab that stupid voucher thing and you bring it with you when you go to return something from Walmart. So we got Greg Battle coming up. Number eight, attention to detail. Um, part of my task here at the church is to welcome those who come in off the street unannounced or without an appointment. And so uh, it's not unusual to get uh, two or three people off the street and just talk to strangers. And, you know, they come for various reasons to pray or to, you know, any, anything. And so uh, one uh, weekend, I, um, a gentleman came off the street. I got a call from the receptionist. And so I went downstairs and we started to have a conversation. And he tells me that uh, he's going to hurt himself, going to hurt himself. And so uh, we begin to have the conversation, and it was about an hour conversation. This is deep. This is deep. And so, um, uh, but as we talk, uh, the, the, the mood changes, and it becomes an uplifting conversation. Um, uh, he starts to get excited. I start to get excited because, you know, he came in there, and he's going to hurt himself. Now he's, you know, he's talking about plans and doing some things that are, are, are good for himself and whatnot. And so... Um, once again, we're in there about an hour and we, we, we ended it with a, a prayer for about 15 minutes and I felt good about myself and he, he felt good about himself and, and uh, it, it was just a great conversation. And then he, he starts to walk out and I start to walk up to my office. I'm looking and as, the moment he drove off, I just thought to myself, Greg, attention to detail, attention to detail. You dropped the ball. I only got his first name. And as a pastor, it's our obligation when someone says something like this to, to follow this all the way through, all the way through. And all I had was a first name. And so I scrambled. I went up into my office. I was on my computer trying to find this person. All I had was his first name. And uh, I couldn't find it. And so um, uh, that, and that entire day, I tried to find it. And the next day, I tried to find it. And then days went by. And then weeks went by. 
and then um, sort of forgot about it. And, um, and meanwhile, you know, uh, I have people that come, you know, up to the, the office and I greet them for the same reasons or whatnot. Not that reason, but uh, uh, just to pray with them. And so uh, about three weeks after that, uh, um, a woman comes up and, and uh, hey, there's someone off the street unannounced once again. And she says, um, we go down to the prayer room and a little privacy. And, and she says, um, um, my husband tried to, tried to hurt himself. And I thought, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And yes, it was him. It was that gentleman that I spoke to um, uh, a couple weeks ago. And so uh, uh, I spoke to her in the room and, um, and uh, we got him on the phone. He was in the hospital and he was, you know, recovering. And, and uh, later that day, I went down there and, um, <clears throat> and I met with him. And uh, uh, this time had some more information. Of course, he was in the hospital, uh, but just followed up with him. And so, um, and made some challenges for himself and, and for myself as well. And so I'm happy to say that uh, um, he is now a regular attender here at, at the church. Uh, he still has challenges. They still have going through challenges, uh, but um, he is uh, um, uh, making relationships here. And so it's, it's such a, a pleasure for me uh, to see him every, every day, or I'm sorry, every, uh, every Sunday. And so uh, attention to detail, attention to detail. Um, number seven, <laughs> macho man, macho man. And so uh, we have a, a ministry here, uh, the uh, hiking ministry. And, and every year we go to Havasu Falls, or I'm sorry, um, um, Havasu Pie, sorry, and, and the Grand Canyon. It's at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. And it's a lodge. Uh, we rent it out and we, um, uh, we take the hiking team down there. And there's about 64 of us that went down this past year. And so, uh, but part of that whole thing is just getting in shape, the training hikes. We got to do the training hikes. And so our, our team leaders, G, uh, Jim and Regina Rajeski, uh, really push that. And I push it too. I try to be an advocate behind them and push the hikes, push the hikes, push the, push the training hike, push the training hikes. You know, the training hikes is obvious that, you know, we want to get you in shape, but we also want to kickstart the relationships. And so that's what it's all about. Uh, but not me. I didn't do the training hikes. And I didn't, I, I, I'm a man, right? I'm a man, right? And I can do this. I can do this. I think I'm healthy and things like that. And so, so I didn't do the training hikes. And so when you're down there, um, uh, the, the hike down is about eight and a half miles, almost nine miles. And so round trip is 18 miles. But when you get down there, you hike to all the waterfalls. There's just amazing waterfalls down there. And so uh, during that whole time down there, you, you put in about 30, 40 miles, uh, not 40, about, about 25 to 30 miles. And then you got to hike out of there. And so the wear and tear of the hike sort of gets to you. And so if you have not trained, you think you're macho. If you think you're macho, that bear is going to climb on your back. So we're hiking out. So we start to go and I have my wife and my son with me and they just blow right by me. And, but, you know, he's, he's like 20 something and, you know, my wife just blows by me anyhow. And so she blows by me. And then, and then uh, uh, this 11 year old, we're, we're doing the hike and, about, and then this 11, 11 year old blows right by me. I'm like, okay, he's 11. He's 11. And then this couple, this 30 something couple blows by me and then, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm looking behind me as I'm hiking, see if anybody's going to catch me. And I see these yoga, yoga ladies start to catch up to me. And so I just stop. And you, you guys all right? You guys okay? I'm just going to make sure you guys make, make it through. And so, uh, so 
So that was my excuse for stopping there. I make sure that everybody get out of there. But uh, there's a verse uh, in Matthew. It's, uh, it goes, why do you look at the speck of, of your, in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say, let me take that plank out of your eye when all the while you have a, 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 a thorn in your eye? First, remove the, the plank out of your own eye so you can see clear to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. I just want to change that just a little bit and say, why do you look at your, the, your brother's unfitness when you yourself are unfit? How could you say, how could you say, uh, let me get you in fit when you're unfit yourself? First, get yourself in fit before you can get your brother in fit. <laughs> Well, hey, my name is Jan. I'm one of the pastors here. My, uh, so mistake number six was uh, confused resting with disconnecting. And so um, the, the one of the things God is really clear about is that uh, he designed us to rest and he calls us to rest. Is the six days you should work and the seventh day you should rest. Keep the Sabbath and keep it holy. And, and there's a, a verse in, in Psalm 127 that talks about it. it says, In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. And the whole idea is that we need rest and relaxation. And I believe this, I know this, and so I try to incorporate it into my life. And, and this year's been a stressful time, and so there's been times this year I said, okay, I need to find time to rest and relax. But what I discovered is that um, my version of rest and relaxing is actually often getting distracted and disconnected. And instead of truly relaxing and truly refreshing, I distract myself or disconnect. Let me show you what that, tell you what that means. It's, I, I would get home from work or, or be on a day off, and I'd, uh, I would say hello to my wife, Lindsay, and, and, and say hi to my kids, and then retreat to my, my bedroom or to some other place with, a, with an iPad or an electronic device and sort of just, just disconnect from the world and, and watch something or read something or, or play a game uh, or something like that. And then when I, when I was done or whatever, then, then come back. And what I realized was that wasn't really rest or recharging. It was like pressing the pause button. Instead of rewinding back to the beginning and starting over, I just went back to life, picking right back up where I had started. And, and not only that, I found that a lot of the activities that I thought were resting and relaxing were actually increasing my anxiety or increasing the tension in my family. And so I have this... <laughs> So lame. I have this game. There's this game on, the, on, this, on our iPad, our family iPad called Clash Royale. Does anyone here ever see or play Clash Royale? None of you are raising your hands. Okay, you're like, okay. So I play. Your kids play. All right. So, so, so you know, I've got my my lava hound and my wizard. Okay. So, anyways, the the way the game works is it's pretty cool because each each battle only lasts like two two and a half minutes and then you're done. So it's like it's self regulated, except when you lose. And then if you're me, you say, I, I can't end with a loss. So I got to play the next battle and try and win. I got to play the next. So, so I play one and then I lose. And my wife says, all right, everybody's time to wash up and come to dinner. And I say, kids, go wash up for dinner. And I got to finish my game, right? So I finish and I lose. So I got to play again, right? And so I finish and I lose and I got to play again. And next thing I know, my wife's standing at the door saying, what are you doing? It's time for dinner. And I said, I got to win the game. One more. And it, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of easy to laugh about and see as a small thing, but, but I'm convicted, and especially even this morning in praying about it, that really what I was doing and what I have been doing is using something 
that is important to God, using something that God calls us to rest as an excuse to deny my kids the presence of a loving father, using it to, to deny my wife the marriage relationship that God calls us to. And I don't want to be that dad. I don't want to be that dad who's present in the home but absent from my kid's life. Or, or the husband who increases my wife's stress and loneliness rather than decreasing it. So as I'm looking into 2018, I'm saying, God, how can I connect better and find rest? And, and I found as I look back at my life, there's so many times when the best refreshment came when I let my wife or someone else pour into me as I connect with them. So the next one, number five is, um, I'm gonna wait. There it is, number five, not listening to Alan. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to be here for sure when I wrote this. So basically, uh, one of the things I love about being here and appreciate working with Alan is that he gives me the opportunity occasionally on Sundays to get up and teach and, and preach and share from God's word. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal for a lead pastor to say, I trust you. I trust you to represent our faith, to represent Jesus, to interpret God's word correctly, to engage hundreds of people in a meaningful way. It's huge. And so uh, I'm so thankful. And so one time I was getting ready for a Sunday and I went to Alan with, with some stuff and I, I kind of laid out what I was going to talk about. And I recognized that it's important to get input from others. And the Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about how in Proverbs 15 about how plans fail for lack of advisors, but, but when you get wise counsel, plans succeed. And so I went down, I laid this out, and he was really gracious. He said some good things. And he said, there's kind of two things. One, it's a little too long. You may want to cut some back. And number two, there's this little section in the middle. Uh, and he didn't actually say these words, but essentially what he said was, it's boring. Um, and, and people may disconnect a little bit and not stay engaged. And, and he was so gracious, so kind with it, so gracious and so kind that I figured he didn't really mean it. <laughs> that it really wasn't that important, right? But, but no, but, but actually what was going on is I figured I just knew better. And I, and I just thought, you know what, I, that's, uh, I appreciate your input, but I've done this before. I've, I know how long it takes me to say things. I, I, I know what's engaging us, Noah. And so I appreciate your heart, but you're wrong. <laughs> it was essentially, what well, I didn't say out loud. <laughs> I'm not dumb. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but, but I, and I didn't want to go back and do the work of rewriting it and making it work. So I get up on Sunday and I start and about 10 minutes in, I realize I have 45 minutes left to go of material. And so I'm like, well, that's a problem. So I have to start cutting on the fly, uh, cutting material out. And then I get to that section that he warned me about and I start to get bored <laughs> with myself. And so at the end of the service, I go back to Alan and I say, you're right, I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I made those cuts and... And, and, and made some changes and it was, it was so much better. And, and I realized that while I, it's easy for me to seek advice, it's hard for me to heed advice, especially advice that I don't agree with, advice that goes against what I think I know already. And it's in those times when I think I have it all figured out when I most often need the input of someone else and when I need to trust them and say, even when it doesn't make sense to me, I'm gonna yield to this advice, trusting their wisdom over my own. Uh, so with that, I wanna introduce Valerie Sanders. She's on our board, our board of servant leaders, and we're super thankful to have her here. So number four, tried and true. So I know that a lot of you, especially you women, you can relate to this story. 
So back in the summer, I had a very important appointment that I was, had to make, so I decided, well, actually it was a date. That was the appointment. So it was very important at this stage of my life. So anyway, I, uh, I said, well, you know, I need to call my stylist right away because, of course, you've got to have your hair looking nice and you want to you know, have a, a certain level of confidence and feel you know, pretty good about yourself. So I called my regular stylist, and she said, oh, you know, she's on maternity leave. So, okay, so I went to plan B, and that stylist was actually on vacation. So I said, okay, well, I could either do it myself or I could go to a salon that I had gone to in the past. My daughter and I had gone there, and, you know, they had done a good job for us, but it had been several years. So anyway, so I call, I make the appointment, and the girl on the phone, she says, oh, is it a special occasion? I said, I got a date. Of course, it's a special occasion, you know. So anyway, so I get there on the day of my appointment, and, you know, everybody's very nice. They ask me if I want a beverage. I say, sure. I meet the stylist, and, you know, we're just chatting it up. Everything's going great. She couldn't have been nicer. So I sit down in the chair, and, um, you know, she starts to comb out my hair and everything, and that was the first red flag because she was using this comb, so all of you <laughs> sisters in the audience know that might be a problem, and then I'm used to using this comb, so, <laughs> so that was the first problem, but I said, okay, you know, I'll just ride with it, and um, so then she starts to flat iron my hair, and she's spraying, and she's flat ironing, and she's spraying and everything, and then there's like this cloud of, you know, like little smoke, but no alarms are going off or anything, so I'm like, okay, we're good, we're good. So then she starts curling it, and she's just curling away, curling away. So, uh, and then she starts to kind of arrange things, and then after a while she says, she says, I'm done. So I said, okay. So I have been facing away from the mirror, and um, so she spins the chair around to, you know, to the big mirror for the big reveal. So... You guys remember that candy that your grandmother used to have? It was that ribbony, kind of curly candy. It was always stuck together, Christmas candy. Okay, so that's kind of what my hair looked like. So it was like looping and swooping and going every which way. And so I am horrified. I'm just horrified. Tears start to well up, and I'm like, you are not going to cry in this lady's chair. And the, the worst part was she had made these tendrils, okay? So these huge tendrils, and unless you are an uh, Orthodox, Hasidic, Jewish boy, you should not have those. That is not a good look for you, okay? So anyway, so I'm just, like I said, I'm just horrified. And then she's terrified because she's like, what is this lady going to do to me? So then she bends down and she goes, well, you said it was a special occasion. <laughs> So now the, the lesson is, if anybody asks you, uh, this is hairdresser vernacular, special occasion means a 1970s wedding day hairdo. So that's when they say special occasion, that's what they mean. So for me, the lesson was go with your tried or true. If you can't get your regular stylist, then do it yourself. So, so let's see. So number three, no, no, namaste. So last year I went to India, and while I was there, um, I talked to some people and talked about the hospice care that we provide here in the States. So they asked me to come back over the summer and teach some of their caregivers about hospice care and how we do it in the United States. So I said, okay, fine. 
Well, after I said that, a lot of things started to weigh in on me. So, you know, I had been in school and I was in between semesters, so I felt like I needed a rest. I didn't want to work for a couple of months, so I felt like I should be making money over the summer to kind of augment that. Um, I needed to move, so I only had six months to do that. And it was just a lot of, lot of things that came up. The group I had never worked with, so they weren't my usual mission buddies like Greg or Alicia and Jose or Judy. So it wasn't, I wasn't comfortable. It wasn't my normal um, crew. So anyway, um, I opted out. I said, you know what, no, I, I, that's, this isn't a good time for me. I, I don't want to go. I can't go this, this summer. So anyway, after a couple of months went by and I looked back and I said, you know what, everything that I was worried about, all the situations about moving, you know, money. God sent me some great clients. I had no financial concerns at all. Um, my son ended up moving out and got a great job. Praise the Lord. Answer prayer. Answer prayer. <laughs> so that was fantastic. So the, the lesson for me was, if God calls you, go. He's already prepared the way. He had prepared the way for me, but I just didn't trust him. And so that was a big lesson for me. Well, I'm, uh, I'm going to jump to uh, numbers two and one, but please understand, this isn't like an, an increasing, you know, the, the worst uh, things there, because uh, uh, you, you've heard some of their mistakes, so I mean, it's not like I'm the top two uh, on this here. I, I just happen to be the last two, so uh, my uh, number two mistake is I missed a party earlier in this year. I jumped in on an eating plan called Whole30 because my wife uh, asked me to do that. So that should be its mistake. If I was doing Whole10, that would have been its own category there um, to have done that. But uh, if you were here with me when I complained through those 30 days, uh, you remember what I called it? Hell 30, yeah, uh, that's a much more accurate name because this, this eating plan is very restrictive. It's very strict, it's, it's no uh, gluten, grains whatsoever, no dairy whatsoever, no sugar whatsoever. Not a grain of sugar. There are very few things that you can purchase or enjoy that uh, do not have any sugar in them. So this was a 30-day journey uh, uh, on, on this. On day 30, a friend of mine named John, whose wife did the same thing to him uh, some time ago, he understood my plight, and, uh, and he said on day 30, he said, Alan, I want to take you out for pizza uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. When this thing is all over, you've done it. I want to take you out for pizza. Any pizza you want, it's on me. We will get the cheesiest gluteniest pizza that we can find. You can even sprinkle sugar on the top of it. And just so we can eat all of the stuff you haven't been able to eat. And so this was a, a good friend inviting me to this saying he would cover it. And I said, no. The reason I said no is that I'm married. And my <laughs> wife informed me that the plan for Health 30 is that when you're done, you gradually add the foods to it. You don't just eat the cheesy gluten pizza on the next day. And so that's the plan. That's what the book says. I don't know that that's what the book says because I'm not going to read the dumb book, but, but she read it and she told me that that's what it says. And so I said to John, no, that's not proper. I'm not supposed to do that. 
that was a mistake. That was a mistake. When your friend says, I want to celebrate something with you, you say yes. You let your friend buy you some pizza. Why? Because life is hard. And there are so many stresses, regardless of whether you do something foolish like Hell 30, there are so many stresses on life, on our day, on our work, on our marriages, on our uh, parenting, and all of that. Life is so hard. Let's not miss out on opportunities to be with good people and, and celebrate that we are so, we're so often, we accomplish something and then we jump right to the next thing instead of pausing for a moment and just saying, you know, let's celebrate this. Let's celebrate the fact that we graduated, the fact that we finished this course, the fact that we finished this, uh, this food silly thing, whatever the journey might be, pause, celebrate, enjoy it. Uh, yes, go ahead and do your diets and do your uh, exercises and do all your New Year's resolutions that you're going to break by the end of January. Go ahead and jump into all that stuff. Do it, but don't let those things get in the way of opportunities to have relationship with good people and to celebrate life. It's just too hard. It's just too fast. Okay. Number one, the number one mistake for me uh, that I, well, these are not my top two mistakes. This is just the two I'm willing to share today. But, uh, but the second mistake I want to share, the number one mistake is that I, I went with the flow. I went with the flow that uh, Tammy and I have two uh, uh, no three. We have three. We have three. We have three kids. We have three kids. Um, Always forget the middle one. Yeah, it's the middle one. I always forget. Yeah. Uh, so, so Tammy and I have three kids, and we have always been. Uh, we've always had boundaries with them in terms of technology and phones and screen time, and as uh, many of you have. Uh, but I, I, I would. It, it's reasonable to say, or fairly accurate to say, that our boundaries have been somewhat conservative. And if I said that phrase to my kids, they would laugh and say, yeah, that's one word for it. Uh, so we have, we have, you know, boundaries for the screen time, et cetera. And uh, our kids have learned to tolerate it because they know we love them dearly and we're for them. And we're trying to figure this out in terms of what's, what's best for them. And so we're navigating this and they're trying to tolerate it and we're trying to figure it out as parents. And that's, that's our journey. Um, I have found, though, in 2017 that that the current of technology has, has flowed so strong this year that I have, I have had a hard time hanging on. That instead of hanging on and saying, nope, we're holding on to our uh, uh, boundaries, we're holding on to our ongoing conversations and learning and making sure we understand what's happening, that I just found the current got so strong that I let go and found myself kind of flowing with the current of technology and letting it take me where it wants to go. Yes, I'm personifying technology here a little bit. That, that, um, that uh, there are so many things uh, happening in terms of the social media and how this is all working with Snapchat and Instagram and, and, uh, and secret identities on these uh, social media platforms and, and even, even numerous apps that are within something as simple as messages, you know, the way we share text together, the apps that are within that and just so many different ways to, to access things and explore things. And, and uh, the thing is just getting, the current is getting so strong. We are in 
a global human experiment right now. Right now, we are in the middle of it. The world has never seen the pace of technology that we are experiencing right now. And, and the legal system can't, can't keep up with it, and our moral conversations about it are having a very hard time keeping up with it. So this is not the time for us to, as parents, to let go and just let the current of technology take us wherever it wants to go. I am not uh, anti-technology. I'm not saying, uh, you know, learning is just kind of uh, buck against it and, and, and stop the current. Absolutely not. This current, there's nothing we can do about this current. It is, it is flowing. It is flowing strong. And there are beautiful things, God-honoring things, that, are, that come out of the technology and the way that people can communicate with others around the world uh, etc. Uh, but, but this is a time for us as we look at our own lives and as we uh, look at our role as uh, teachers and as parents to, to ask questions about technology, to evaluate the flow, to be aware of what's going on, and to look at Scripture and to say, uh, say God, what, what do you have to teach me with this? This is why we're doing this Heads Up series uh, starting next week, that it's not just for parents. This is a journey for us to say, to say, you know, in what way uh, are we going to look at technology here entering into this, this, this fast-flowing current of technology in 2008? I've made mistakes this year uh, for me personally in terms of technology, and I've made mistakes as a parent, and I want to join with you in uh, looking at this, asking the right questions, and evaluating this flow. Um, as we're wrapped up here uh, today, but as we close up here, uh, I just want to toss the whole thing back to you. We've kind of stirred up and shared a few learnings and mistakes from this year, and, and what I like to do at the end of this message is just, just toss it back to you as you reflect on 2017. What two or four or 10 mistakes pop up for you? The issue is not how many mistakes there are. It's not even how big the mistakes are, how, how big of a mistake you have made or somebody you care about has, has made or whatever. It's, it's not the size of them. It's how we respond to them. It always has been. It always will be. How are we responding to these, to these things that the Holy Spirit surfaces up for us and says, you know, that's an area where you can learn something. Are we going to say, oh, well, that's just who I am. Uh, nobody's perfect and then stumble into the same mistakes in 2018? Or are we gonna say, God, I, I need you to help me with this one. I, I don't want to have the same mistake at the end of this year. Are we willing to do that? Are we courageous enough to put that before the Lord and say, God, what do you, how, how, can, how do you plan to help me with this? I wanna pray with you before we uh, let you go. Would you bow your heads with me? God, I, I do thank you for uh, the courage of those who uh, stood up here with me and shared some of these uh, mistakes. God, there's a lot of humor in mistakes, and we can laugh at ourselves. And, um, but God, I, I know that there are many more mistakes for those up here on stage that, that were not shared. There are many mistakes here in this room that have been deeply painful here in 2017. God, I thank you that this is a place of grace. This is a place where we can bring those mistakes. We don't have to be perfect uh, before one another, that we can bring those and we can say, God, heal us. God, come and, and bring uh, uh, a soothing ointment to this pain that I'm experiencing. 
God, would you grant us power and strength and grace as we head into 2018? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks so much for coming. We'll see you next year.